Stat Media Group, delivering logistics news since 1986. This is Cargo Masterminds from Stat Media Group. It's Monday and it's time to catch up with our new Cargo Mastermind. Hello and welcome to Cargo Masterminds. My name is Reggie John. Global demand for air cargo has returned to pre-pandemic levels, marking a rare bright spot for the struggling aviation industry. According to the International Air Transport Association, or IATA, demand measured in cargo ton kilometers in January this year rose 3% from December 2020 and was 1.1% higher than in January 2019. IATA compared figures with two years ago rather than January 2020 to avoid distorted comparisons with the start of the COVID-19 crisis. The growth in cargo is a very good indicator. A growing cargo business is not enough to stem industry losses, but it is a vital lifeline of cash for many airlines. If air cargo was not doing as well, the industry as a whole would be even deeper trouble. The latest figures from the industry organization indicate that North America and Africa are the strongest regions. My guest today is the cargo head of the world's largest airline, an exceptional leader, a people's person, someone I have interviewed quite a few times, and a leader and a human being I respect immensely. So pleased to welcome Jessica Taylor, President, Cargo and Vice President Operations Innovation and delivery at American Airlines. Jessica joined American Airlines in 2012 as organizational change manager. Since then, she held several key positions before she was appointed the president of Cargo in June 2020. Under her leadership, she led and continues to lead a total digital transformation of cargo operations to evolve business capabilities that support the varying needs of its customers using cutting-edge technology tools that include artificial intelligence, machine learning, and robotics. She, along with her team in American Airlines, are doing whatever they can to keep cargo moving in the worst crisis of aviation history. Jessica joins me to discuss the year that is gone by and the year ahead, how she becomes the guidance for her team so that they continue to create an exceptional experience for themselves and for their customers around the world. Jessica, welcome to Cargo yeah. Mastermind. Reggie, thank you so much for having me. It's so great to see you again. And what an introduction. Thank you for that. Really happy to be here. Jessica, I think uh, it's good for the readers as well as the listeners to clarify the change in your uh, in your designation, is that a significant change or it's only a title change? Sure, it is actually a, a bit of a change. So organizationally prior, back in June, was named the president of cargo and also had responsibility for all of the supporting mechanisms that helped our airport teams as well as cargo be successful. So think training, compliance, policy and procedures, all of that is actually going into a, a pure airports organization. And the new part of my role, so I still retain the president of cargo, but the new part of my role is much more about overall innovation and strategy for our entire operation. So think flight, flight service, tech operations, technical operations, cargo, airports, 
So it's a bit of a broader um, strategy role around um, our entire airline operations. So it is very, it is a little bit different. Jessica, how good is the cargo business at uh, American Airlines uh, as of now? I think like most uh, cargo businesses right now, we're benefiting from this sort of imbalance between supply and demand. So uh, we are doing an incredible job uh, on a much smaller network, being able to still through passenger flights, as well as our cargo only network, being able to really uh, meet customer needs. Uh, so things are, are really great, even though volumes might be down, uh, capacity down, um, there's still a, a, a lot of demand, obviously, to keep the world moving. So things are, are looking really strong, uh, both from a revenue and operational performance perspective for cargo right now. Can you just give us a little more specific details about how American Airlines uh, cargo slowly brought back capacity during different stages of lockdown? Uh, things are still not back to normal as uh, as we all of us like to. So if you can take us through what has been happening in, in terms of bringing back, orchestrating back that cargo capacity uh, to meet the demand, uh, what are some of the things that you did at American Airlines Cargo? Yeah, it's it's been an amazing journey, Reggie. I'm sure as you've talked to other cargo leaders, um, you know, we're almost coming up on a year from our first cargo-only flight that we had stood up in over 35 years. And when I think back to, it seems like just yesterday, but I can't believe, I think it's March 20th um, when we had our first um, uh, cargo-only flight here at American. And it was a matter of days, maybe up to a week, two weeks, between the time that we said, oh my gosh, we're pulling down this, uh, you know, the passenger network by uh, numbers we just hadn't seen in a long time, um, and, and trying to mobilize the teams across the airline to leverage the assets, these, these huge investments, right, in the, in the beautiful aircraft that we have, because we, we still knew cargo uh, and all the incredible freight and mail has to keep moving. The world is still happening. Um, and so when I think about it, uh, we, we really mobilized the team very quickly to work with network planning, our integrated operations teams, um, our commercial, the passenger commercial side of things, to look at could we could we profitably leverage these assets and keep cargo moving? And when I think about those early days, there was a lot of mindset shifts that we had to make. Right, uh, as you can imagine, an airline uh, of our size, the primary focus was you know making sure our teams were safe and making sure that we were matching um, the incredible cost impact um, as much as we could to the, the little bit of passenger demand out there. And so the decision makers and the, the leaders with, across the organization were very focused on pa the passenger network and what were we going to do? And we had cargo over here going, wait a second, we, we think we have a model to keep using these assets and keep meeting the needs of our very important cargo customers uh, in play. And so while it was a mindset shift, it didn't take very long, right? Because we have brilliant people in our cargo team who were pulling the numbers and working really closely with our customers to, to ensure that the economics made sense, right? So in the very early days, we stood that up. And I would say the, the sophistication of the model we have today, a year later, for surgically making decisions about where we're putting capacity and what we're going to continue to fly or not fly to 
in terms of cargo only flights um, is, is a, an incredibly well-oiled machine a year later. Um, and one that is going to help us make decisions really tightly and really smartly as we start to grow back in terms of the passenger demand. So already, you know, I think our outlook just a few months ago is we'll continue these cargo only flights for the first quarter. Then it became, gosh, April, you know, is looking like we'll still have some April cargo only flying. And now we're really looking at the first half of the year and the incredible models and partnership that we have with our finance, finance division who've created these ways of looking at our business to make sure that we're making really good decisions. Um, and you know, the, the other benefit that I've loved is seeing how the cargo only flying is actually going to help us very quickly turn back on the passenger network when, it's, when the demand is there. So that's been an added uh, benefit that the cargo only flying is the foundation to being able to, to bring back passengers quickly. So um, really great progress, but it's been a long year, but I, I can't believe a, you know, a year later that we are, um, like I said, a well-oiled machine at this point. Yeah, that's, that's actually correct. Someone else also told me that uh, their decisions to start passenger uh, flights or passenger operations are actually based on uh, cargo demand as well. Uh, uh, Jessica, do you know how many cargo only passenger flights uh, have you completed so far? I do. Uh, I think the the numbers I saw as of yesterday were well over, you know, over 7,000 uh, cargo only flights to date. Okay. Uh, what about your, uh, how many aircraft uh, have you repurposed by removing seats uh, to load cargo uh, so far? And will you continue to do such that uh, yeah. in the, in the, in the quarters ahead? So at American, we actually have not modified any aircraft during this uh, pandemic. Uh, we have certainly evaluated and reevaluated uh, those uh, options um, throughout different stages over the last year. Uh, very early on, we, we took a quick look at whether or not we would remove seats and whether or not we could um, manage to continue with a profitable um, network. Uh, and the decision at the time was no. We have reevaluated several times the, the different ways that we could modify the aircraft. And the answers always were just keep using the capacity we have. We have plenty of capacity, we have plenty of wide body aircraft at our, um, disp you know, within reach. So we're able to use that capacity and meet the needs that, that our customers have. But do you know how many aircraft have you, have you put into service for cargo only passenger flights? Um, we are using just about all of our wide bodies. So we don't have as many aircraft parked as of, even as of this month, our March schedule, both for passenger and cargo only, has us leveraging uh, most of our wide-body aircraft. Jessica, give us a sense of the of the innovation and creativity that is happening right now that's quite different from what used to be in uh, in the last um, months, last year, months of April, May, June. Uh, uh, what is the kind of uh, evolution that you've seen in terms of creativity, innovation to bring new products into all to bring capacity into market? Right. What is that saying that uh, necessity is the mother of invention, right? So uh, in times like these, uh, it's been amazing to see our team. Uh, we have incredibly talented folks with lots of great progressive ideas. And we've been able to, you know, Reggie, you and I have talked about our modernization journey. Um, great timing for us, not planned, but, you know, we were able to implement, uh, finalize the, the major foundation of implementing that 
end-to-end -end system just last year. And that has allowed us to actually be more adaptable during this time and implement ideas that people have very quickly. So actually, I think um, just recently you saw that we've, we've been uh, experimenting with um, robotics process automation, machine learning. Um, we've enhanced some of our product offerings and services. Uh, we're, we're testing some, some ideas about extending our services beyond on just airport to airport. And so all of those things come at a time when one, the technology foundation is there for us to do that in a cost-effective way, to, to get more into this sort of um, MVP approach where we can test and learn very quickly. But two, we have unleashed the talent and potential and the people within Cargo to say, bring, your, bring the ideas, let's go. Uh, this is a time where, uh, anything is possible. All it takes is great uh, thinking, great uh, a willingness to take some risks and a willingness to fail fast and learn. Um, and we've done um, an incredible amount. Our, our, we have a, a team of folks that are, it's very cross-functional across the cargo group, thinking about how to use this incredible data platform that we now have in feeding things that allow us to automate different processes to make it easier on our team to focus more on the human interactions that, that require humans and not the transactional uh, things that are so prevalent in our business. So we're taking advantage of this time and our new platform to, to put the creativity of our team to, to great use. I will come back to the technology and the digital transformation topic a little bit later, but I, I want to bring you to, uh, to a more broader topic of uh, uh, demand outweighing the capacity in, in, the, in the global air freight industry. Uh, I'm sure that uh, American Airlines has, um, they have enough, you have enough of uh, planes that you can pull out uh, and to deploy uh, as and when you have the demand. Uh, you you see that uh, uh, freight um, capacity is in, uh, in shortage right now. As a result, you see the freight rates are on high. Uh, how do you look at the, the global trends that are evolving? Do you see some sort of a normalization uh, in the quarters ahead? I think norm normalization is a, is a dangerous word <laughs> because I don't know what that means, right? I think when I, when I think about the supply and demand mismatch that we're currently experiencing, uh, it's on a scale that we haven't seen before. We've certainly been through things in the in over the years where we have that that mismatch, but nothing like this. And that is going to change. That mix is going to change as people uh, around the world get more comfortable traveling. And for us as a, as a primarily a passenger airline, um, you know we will start focusing on passenger flights again. Um, and as soon as all that capacity gets back in the market from, from the rest of the passenger airlines, right, that supply and demand mismatch um, isn't as extreme. I think from what everything, you know, we're, we're all watching the headlines and reading and trying to stay and, and the word forecasting has a whole new, you know, definition these days, right? And the, the whole historical data helping you to predict what's going to happen is, is a thing of the past. Um, so when I, you know, our, our outlook is, look, um, we're staying close to the information, but we at least see through the first half that, that imbalance still being there. And then slowly as international markets um, open back up and, and uh, our American as well as our competitors start to put capacity back into the market for passenger flying, 
um, we'll start to see that that imbalance start to level out. Um, that's our outlook right now. I think um, I, I think I read something recently where the the IMF is forecasting you know GDP growth of about five percent. Um, that's a great year, right? Strong economic growth and consumer spending kind of remains really high as we all sit around ordering things online. I feel like I personally am a, uh, a much, I'm, I'm ordering things, whether it's for the retail therapy or uh, just not being able to get out and about as much, uh, you know, we're seeing that that strong uh, consumer spending. And so I, I really expect that the cargo demand side uh, will stay strong. Um, and then if supply starts to catch up with that, then, you know, I think yields will, will start to level out um, maybe uh, back to, to levels that we were, were seeing kind of in the, the year before all of this occurred. Yeah, certainly forecasting has a different meaning and connotation altogether. And uh, as you said, it is right to stay closer to the information. And I think uh, it's more like a dynamic information that comes in and then you deal with the uh, uh, just think I want to onto the super product of the century, which is a COVID vaccine. And a few days back, we had the at least the uh, the FDA approved the third vaccine to be distributed within within the, within the U.S. And uh, there are quite a few other vaccines already being uh, being shipped around. Uh, people are getting vaccinated in different parts of. Uh, all continents, uh, for example, even though it's like uh, the pace at which it is happening is much slower. Uh, uh, tell us about um, how prepared is American Airlines to carry the, the COVID vaccine. You have already done in the month of, uh, month of December, uh, I think the Pfizer vaccine. Uh, what is the kind of preparation at uh, American Airlines to, to be part of this super product to be distributed and fly, uh, to be flown around? Yeah, I think this is one of those examples where the strengths of your organization uh, get put to work for a greater cause than you ever imagined, right? We play such an important role in the world's economy and the world's supply chain anyway, right? Every day, that's what we do. And so to be able to apply that expertise and what we do best in a moment when the world needs something different has been really fulfilling for our team. So from the very beginning, right, we um, we're, we're very focused on how can we put our strengths to work for the world right now. So in the beginning, it was PPE, masks, and other you know um, personal protective equipment, and um, then it then it turned into trials and moving vaccine trials around from um, people and places to the um, producers, and then it moved to vaccines themselves, right? Um, and all of the surrounding uh, supporting uh, shipments that go with vaccines, syringes and other things. And so uh, you're right, back, back in December, we started shipping actual vaccines. Um, we are working really closely with our partners who are, for the most part in the US, um, responsible for the distribution domestically. But we're also working with a lot of our international um, you know, focused customers who are responsible for getting it to locations around the world. We have obviously the world's largest network and we're listening and staying very close to our customers on where they need help. How can we, with the world's largest network with the most dots on the map, how can we supplement um, their strengths in places where they may not be as efficiently able to get the vaccine to places. So for right now, that's been focused um, a lot in, 
in you know Latin America, South America, uh, parts of the U.S. that are a little bit less uh, reachable uh, by some of our uh, partners. So we've been really excited to to allow um, the use of our network to help in this distribution effort. Um, we expect that to ramp up with this third vaccine with Johnson and Johnson getting approved just this last weekend. Um, we expect volume to start to be uh, a bit higher into kind of this quarter and next quarter, we start to, we, we see that growth happening uh, where the distribution is gonna be uh, ramped up compared to the early days of December, or, you know, January. So uh, we're really looking forward to being able to, to lend a hand during this time and do what we do best, right? We have incredible um, operational experts that uh, know how to take care of these types of shipments because we've been doing vaccines for decades, right? We know that the care and the sensitivity that these kind of shipments require. And we have incredible groups that um, kind of, we call it all eyes on, right? So everybody knows from our ramp counterparts to pilots to uh, our airport uh, leaders, to our cargo team members, to our technical operations teams to make sure that we don't, if for some reason there's a mechanical or something that everyone's aware there's vaccine shipments on that, that aircraft and we've got to make sure that that factors into our decision-making around how to run the great, a great operation. So just incredible collaboration and coordination across the airline, not just within the cargo team, but every part of the airline that goes into running a great, a great operation because we understand that on the other end of this is a human waiting for a vaccination that will help save their life potentially, and at least at the very minimum, keep them healthy going forward. No, we are almost a year into this new reality and uh, I just want to understand how American Airlines Cargo has realigned its uh, relationship with your key customers. Uh, uh, tell us what has changed and what has not changed uh, in the last one year. What I love is that prior to this, one of our um, real strengths is our relationships with customers. Um, we are known for uh, the close caring relationship between our team and our customer teams. And that was a great foundation to have as we entered this year, this past year, because on that foundation, you have trust and transparency. And we had incredible conversations early on with what are you hearing? What are you learning? Because all of us were, were trying to figure out what was happening and where were the needs and how could we best partner to serve the world? So that's what I'm most proud of is just the fact that going into this pandemic, we had incredible relationships and they've only gotten, you know, been able to, to strengthen during this time. And the creativity and partnership, um, it, it's true partnerships. It's not so much a customer uh, supplier type relationship. It is strategic in nature. I can remember very early on having some very open, candid conversations about, uh, you know, how can we work together differently to make sure that we together put our strengths to work? We are, um, in terms of those partnerships, they are critical aspects of the supply chain of the world. And if one of us is, is you know, if we're not partnering really well together, it hurts everybody, right? So it, it's been a phenomenal time. So I would say, if anything, it's not that it's changed, um, but the the level of transparency, trust, creativity 
has just uh, been incredible to experience. Um, it has, you know, this running a cargo only uh, network has led to, to new customers uh, being uh, closer and growing uh, in strength with us. Um, so our, our big, you know, partnerships have remained mostly the same, but we've had a few that have really grown who have been willing to take care, you know, take um, advantage of the fact that we're willing to do charter flights where they purchase the capacity of the whole flight. Um, and that has allowed um, some new, uh, new relationships to grow and thrive during this time. Jessica, how have you realigned your product verticals as well? Because in the month of last year, April, May, there was no, it was only about PPEs and other uh, emergency healthcare pr products. Uh, so a lot of your verticals did not get the attention that it required. Uh, now, has that, have that changed now? Or do you have much more focus on your perishables, on your pharma? Of course, pharma always get the preference. Uh, what about the other verticals and like maybe e-commerce? Yeah, so I think all of this has really allowed us to take a new lens at our products and services. But I would say, you know, just like implementing our our technology platform uh, in terms of timing was just incredible timing uh, and very useful to the, the world we've been in the last year. The same goes for our temperature controlled um, product. We were already working on the CEIV certification uh, prior to the pandemic and received that, that certification literally right around the same time this whole thing started. So it couldn't have been better timing to tell the world that, look, um, IATA recognizes our, our processes, procedures, and support of temperature-controlled product to be some of the best in the world. And so um, the definitely the, the light has been um, shining on that product and all of, um, and not just the TC side of things, but also just our expedite or more um, higher priority um, levels during this pandemic. And e-commerce is the same way. You know, you saw early on the, and still um, today, I just, I, I ordered something about a week ago and still getting the message of due to COVID-19, there may be delays in your, right? So we all know that e-commerce, the demand there is is high, but it's competing with these other you know, uh, critical commodities and critical shipments. And so uh, we've also paid very close attention to our partners that we work with in the e-commerce space to make sure that we're moving and protecting space and doing that in a way that, that benefits everyone so that those shoes, you know, show up on your doorstep uh, in, in a timely fashion. Okay, I want to take you back to one of the topic that you briefly mentioned in, in, an, in an answer to an earlier question. It's, it's about the digital transformation journey and uh, under your leadership, there has been a substantial investment into it in the, in the history of American Airlines as far as your in IT infrastructure is concerned that that really came in handy at the, at the time of the pandemic. Uh, tell us about this was supposed to be rolled out in different phases tell us about the current status and in also in the context of some of the recent announcement about uh, implementation of uh, technology tools like artificial intelligence and robotics to kind of really go deep dive into the data that you collect so tell take us through some of those uh, innovation innovations that are taking place in your digital transformation journey yeah it is so refreshing to be where we are so you and I have talked a lot about the, this journey we're on. And when I think about the, the way I used to describe it prior to the implementation was, was we were being choked, 
right, by our ecosystem of technologies to make a change in a product um, could be a million dollars and, uh, you know, eight months of work to do something so simple. Um, but because of that landscape, it was choking our ability to innovate and adapt and, and really meet the needs of our customers. And so it is so refreshing to be where we are, where we can do things like apply the technologies that are readily, readily available today, like, um, you know, artificial intelligence and other things that you mentioned to our business, right? So these technologies that we need to modernize the cargo industry are here. We are not waiting for innovations to occur. All we're doing is trying to apply those technologies in innovative ways to our business. And that is what I'm so proud of our team for doing. They're relieved to be where we are, to have the, the ability, like I mentioned before, to take risks and try things. And the system really allows us to be um, very surgical about these little tests that we can do to learn quickly and adapt really quickly. And that flexibility is gonna be more important than ever, has been more important than ever this last year and will continue to be as we move forward because the speed at which um, things are changing and the, the consumer expectations that continue to just get higher and higher, um, you we have to be in a, in a place where we can adapt and, and very quickly pivot, try new things. And, and I'm just really, really proud that our team has been able to stay focused on those things during this time. And, you know, they're doing it in a virtual world, right? So the collaboration that I used to have pictures of where there's a hundred people in a room and there's all these charts up and there's all kinds of computers around like laptops and scanners. And we're, you know, doing these sort of hackathons and workshops. We're still doing some of that. We literally had a hackathon not too, too, um, uh, too long ago and it was a hundred percent virtual. And there were some incredible things that came out of that. Some of which um, I mentioned already that we, we, we wrote about recently, just uh, yesterday, I think it came out in the news about our, some of the, the things that we're applying to our business. And the, the thing I love is that we just are able to have a customer centric focus on all of it. So not only are you focused on making the, the lives easier of our team members so that they can continue to apply their talent and expertise to people. But in that interaction, the customer becomes the center of the universe instead of the antiquated systems that our teams are having to figure out in order to serve the customer. So we are just so on the other side of that and so excited. I've, I've said before, this three or four year massive investment and project, this IT project that we did um, was literally just the beginning. And it was real hard to tell the teams that spent their entire lives for three or four years doing it, like the finish line is actually the starting line. Um, but I've, I've been so excited to see where the team's uh, taken us. Uh, and I'm super proud of, of the ingenuity and, and uh, innovative mindset that, uh, that, that people are taking right now, leveraging our new system. But uh, has uh, IBS Zycargo, has the rollout been completed or do you still have uh, phases to be completed? Yeah, so you know, you're never really done, right? So I would say the major phases, the project that was funded is complete, right? So we were, I think it was August of 20, um, we did our final deployment, which was the um, mail module. So the the revenue, the revenue accounting for mail, as well as the operational piece for mail, mail scanning and all of that. And so that was our very last big deployment. But I'll tell you, I think this is where a lot of 
of us get it wrong is you think you're finished and it is absolutely a constant um you know area of focus it has to be a constant area of focus we are um you know so that was august it's been our our first major deployment was in october of 19 and so when i think of where we are right so what is that a year and a half ish um from our our very first deployment am i doing the math right there again i'm it all it's a blur it's like having children you think back and can't remember what happened when they were little but um you know i think back to a year and a half later we're still having conversations about um enhancements and improvements that need to be made to the system we implemented over a year and a half ago it is it is the power of this new system is kind of limitless right and it's massive and what we implemented probably was only somewhere between 60 to 75 percent of its capabilities right that was to get it up get it moving get it to the most like the minimal uh level to to run your business well and make some improvements for sure in that implementation but we have a lot to learn about this system and its capabilities and we continue to do that so are we finished with the project yes but i would say we have a whole new um you know we have a team dedicated to continuing that journey, that modernization journey that's just never finished. Why, when do you expect to have uh, American Airlines cargo capacity made available on uh, digital marketplaces? That's a great question. So um, for sure, we've been in exploration mode on that for quite some time. You know, we have incredible uh, tools ourselves, uh, not only with um, our own uh, distribution site, but also uh, with direct connect and things like that. But the teams are looking at um, how to best engage with uh, the digital marketplace. And certainly uh, we want American Airlines to be part of that. Jessica, when do we see uh, the talk about digital transformation beyond uh, electronic capable? We actually see uh, robotics, uh, big data, deep data, um, machine learning coming into cargo handling, uh, when do, you, when do you see the larger picture of uh, automation, digitalization, like the way that we see in many of the other industries, for example, when do we see that in the air freight industry? Because the pace at which the digitalization happened in the last one year uh, is something that in the normal circumstances would have taken about uh, four or five years. Yeah, I hope sooner than later, right? So when I think about the momentum and energy and timeline around e-airway bill, you mentioned e-airway bill, um, right? It took our industry way too long to get where it is today, right? Today we're in a much better place, but it, it just took us way too long because there wasn't a sense of urgency around it. There wasn't as many threats to, um, to our industry that there are today. Um, our industry, as you've heard me say, is ripe for disruption. Um, that's almost an outdated statement because the disruption is here, it, you know, right? We have incredible, brilliant minds um, in various organizations bringing, again, the technologies that are available today, readily available today, to problems within our industry. And that is here and it is happening. And it is really important that we all play a part in that. Um, when I think about things like One Record and other efforts within the industry, I think those are moving faster than they ever have before, because there's a, a certain um, awareness that if we don't work together, 
on this, um, it, it's not going to be great for, for the various players in this industry. And so we're very focused on increasing our, you know, the energy and people that are thinking about how to engage in a different way across the supply chain, all of our partners, whether it's customers or handlers or, you know, all the different players, we have to do so in a world where there's data integrity along that chain that there, that, and we all have shared ownership and responsibility with that, right? So, um, you know, we've got challenges with data still, even with our new system, but it's partly, not all, but partly because the, the booking data that we get isn't great in some cases. Um, and so when you start with bad data, there's no way to rectify that as it enters our systems and uh, through our uh, the different ways that we interact with that data. So it is a shared responsibility for us to get to a new level of data transparency, data integrity throughout the industry, um, or someone's going to lose in all of it, right? So it's it's on us to collaborate and push each other. Um, and that starts with a, it being transparent, right? I think there's so much fear sometimes when an industry goes through this type of transformation that right, you have a, the value chain and someone may believe that their value will be diminished or non-existent. And that is absolutely true. It's a real thing, right? And the way that you overcome that is to make sure that you, your value is clear and that you may have to redefine yourself, right? In, in your role in the industry as things change. So that change is, is scary. Um, but it's going to happen. And for, for organizations that are that stay aware and stay involved, um, there's only good things to come from that uh, modernization. Jessica, despite the challenging 2020, cargo revenue actually contributed substantially to the overall revenue of, the, of uh, American Airlines. And we are in the last month of the first quarter of 2021. Um, how do you expect to close the, quarter, uh, the Q1 of 2021? Yeah, so right, we're in the third month of the year already, which is unbelievable. My expectation is we'll have a, a really successful quarter. Um, we set uh, records internally in the fourth quarter of last year, in the in the month of December, all, in terms of all-time uh, revenue um, records. And that is only born out of great partnerships with with our customers and being able to adapt to needs and serve, you know, the industry right now, or the world right now. So the expectation is a, a good, successful close in the first quarter. Um, the team, you know, across the globe between our, our sales and revenue management and operations teams um, have never broken down silos more in the history of our, of our airline. We've always been one team, but uh, the, the pressures and stress of this uh, pandemic have brought us closer. Um, it's allowed us to, you know, one of the things that I say often about what makes uh, American Airlines different is we truly are a family and taking care of each other comes first. And we have proven that time and time again during this last year as people have, you know, the stress of work is only one thing for most human beings right now. And we have to remember that as leaders, right, that our teams are working their tail off to make American uh, thrive during this time, but they're going home to situations, both economically, health, 
schooling, kids, everything that is so stressful on top of that. So the fact that the passion and dedication of our team is, is shining right now is so exciting to see. And I, I take it really seriously that we as leaders have to recognize the whole person during this time. Um, and, you know, there's nothing more important to me when I think about how I spend my days than checking in with people and making sure they're okay. Um, their work here is one thing. The work will be here. Um, the, the person has to be whole and well, um, you know, to thrive as human. And uh, this has been an incredibly challenging year. We have had great results, you know, to, to bring it back to your question, but the results are one thing. And those, are, those results are um, uh, absolutely 100% due to the hustle and passion of our team. And I, I just couldn't be prouder. Jessica, it was a pleasure talking to you. And uh, thank you so much uh, for sharing your reflections and about cargo business in American Airlines and your thoughts and insights on uh, the global air cargo industry. Reggie, thanks always for the platform to, to share a little bit about our team and in the industry. And it's been a, a an incredible year of such challenges and such stress. But what I have loved is how the, the players in this industry have come together to problem solve, to be creative. And it's just been great to be part of it during this year. Thank you so much. Uh, that was Jessica Tyler, uh, President Cargo and Vice President Operations Innovation and Delivery at American Airlines. That's it from us at Stat Media Group. We bring Cargo Masterminds every Monday. Thanks for tuning in and come back on next Monday for a fresh episode. Have a nice day.